Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hi there. Uh, We're reading from Amos, chapter 9, 1 through 15. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the pillars so that the thresholds shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left, I will kill with the sword. Not one will get away, none will escape. Though they dig down to the depths below, from there my hand will take them. Though they climb up to the heavens above, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, there I will hunt them and seize them. Though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent to bite them. Though they are driven into exile by their enemies, there I will command the sword to slay them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, he touches the earth and it melts, and all who live in it mourn. The whole land rises like the Nile, then sinks like the river of Egypt. He builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord? Did I not bring Israel up from Egypt, the Philistines from Kaptor, the Arameans from Kerr? Surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord. For I will give the command and I will shake the people of Israel among all the nations as grain is shaken in a sieve and not a pebble will reach the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword, and all those who say, disaster will not overtake or meet us. And that day I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins, and will rebuild it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper who will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountain and flow from all the hills, and I'll bring my people, Israel, back from exile. They'll rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. I'm going to invite Katie up, and as she comes on up, I'll pray for her. <sighs> Father God, thank you so much for this word, Lord. Um, and I just praise you, Lord, for what you're um, saying to us through this passage, Father. And God, I just lift up um, Katie as she speaks, Lord, that you would speak through her, Lord. Prepare our hearts to hear what she has to say to us, Lord. And God, that as we seek you, we would see you, Father. We give you in, this, in your name. Amen. Uh, yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm Katie. And I've been part of CCC for about a year and a half now. And so, yeah, if you're new again, a really big welcome to you. Uh, For those of you online, hello, good to see you. Um, Yeah, it's really great to have um, online uh, church joining us as well. So today we're going to be finishing off our series in the book of Amos. And we're going to be looking at this question, what hope has the world? Uh, Yeah, what hope has the world? So perhaps you find yourself asking this this year as one day blurred into the next. What was there to hope for? What was there to look forward to? 
Maybe you even found yourself despairing slightly as you looked out at the world. Would there ever be a cure for coronavirus, one that finally defeats all the variants? Would there ever be enough affordable housing in Dublin? As we look out at the world, brokenness and frustration surrounds us, and so we look for something good, something to hope for. What is it for you personally today? What are you hoping for? Is it a sense of security? Maybe today is gonna to be the day where we're gonna get our dream house. Are you hoping for peace? Oh, I hope today the kids won't cause a scene at the shops. Are you hoping for comfort? I just want an easy day without too much hassle or stress in it. Something I've been hoping for recently is the day when I get to return back to my work in person. I work with students here in universities across Dublin who run Christian unions, seeking to share the gospel with uh, their friends who don't know Jesus. And one of these universities is Maynooth University. So I set foot, for, I set foot physically on campus for the first time all year, three days ago. I can believe it, I've been working with students all year, it's all been on Zoom, and it was wonderful to get to go back to the campus um, and to see the students in person. And yet, the very next day, one of my other students uh, from one of the other universities in uh, the city centre got an email to say that with the Delta variant, the university was reconsidering whether face-to-face -face teaching would be happening and commencing again in September. So I just thought, oh, come on. <laughs> so that's something that I've been hoping for. And, and none of these things that we hope for, whether it's the desire for life to return to normal, whether it's peace, security, comfort, none of these things are bad in and of themselves, but they can threaten to become our ultimate sources of hope, the things that we live for. Maybe we know they have too tight a hold on our hearts when we find ourselves disappointed or angry, when our attempts to run after them are thwarted. If all of my hope is in me being able to see my students face to face again in September and it doesn't happen, then I don't know, I can imagine I might be a wee bit grumpy, a bit sulky. I might think this is another year on Zoom. Is it just gonna be a waste? So students, let's hope this doesn't happen. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, hopefully it won't. Um, but if my hope is in, if all of my hope is in God instead, then I can know that even if we don't get to meet in person again in September, that he's still at work for his plan, for his purposes, and I can meet students again on Zoom with joy, knowing that he's still there and at work. And so we see that this question, where uh, do we place our hope, what hope has the world, is important. Because where we place our hope shapes our hearts and it dictates the kind of lives that we live So if we make comfort, prosperity, security, even a return to normal life our ultimate hope, then what happens when it's not fulfilled? We might become irritated, maybe quick to snap at those around us, or even trample upon those people who we deem obstacles to get in the way of the hope that we're running after. And our, work, and our lives can begin to lack love and to show injustice. And this is exactly what had happened to God's people in the book of Amos. They had made comfort, prosperity, and wealth their ultimate sources of hope, and they were prepared to do whatever it took to achieve that. Life was just one long road to self-fulfillment, and it didn't matter if the poor were oppressed in the process. We saw this in chapter four, 
um, where it says, the women oppressed the poor and they crushed the needy while saying to their husbands, bring us some drinks. We saw it in chapter five in Amos, uh, where God's people were building stone mansions whilst they were levying extra taxes on the poor. They even went through the motions of going to the temple, going to church and their religious ceremonies, but they just didn't mean it. So where was God? Well, he just didn't really feature in the picture. So I wonder as well, who is it in your life that maybe threatens to stand in the way of the comfort, security, or the prosperity you might run after? You might even still be coming to church, reading your Bible, but you might know that there's still that one person in your life, that one relationship, whom actually you kind of trample upon, or that person you just ignore or refuse to engage with, because that makes life easier and simpler and more hassle-free. Maybe it's a family member, someone you live with. How about the homeless person on the street that you walk past every day? You see, at times we realize that we actually are not so different to the Israelites. But instead of despairing, we must remember and look at the kind of God that we worship that is speaking to us here in this book. So let's look back at Amos and the way in which the Lord greatly loved his rebellious people. He had already saved them in his great love. He'd freed them and rescued them from Egypt. He'd made them his very own. He told them, I am your source of life. I am your hope. He called for them to seek life in him. He said that again and again in Amos chapter five. We saw that earlier. Seek me and live. I am your hope. I am your life. He wants what's best for them. And he says, it's me. Yet they would not listen. They wanted to choose and to run after the things that they thought would bring them hope. But after nine long chapters of God's patient warnings, God says, judgment is coming. One thing that we see in the book of Amos um, about God's heart is that he is not okay with Israel seeking self-fulfillment at the expense of others. So we jump in here at the start of chapter nine and we ask again, what hope has our world? And we see that humanity's only hope is in the God of justice who brings judgment. Now, if you've ever had your house burgled, you will understand something of the injustice that God was dealing with. Just like a thief steals or breaks things that doesn't belong to them, God's people were also abusing, trampling, and breaking other human beings who had been lovingly created by God. They had no right to do this. And God would no longer stand for this injustice. He was deeply grieved that his people's hearts had become distorted, but justice demanded that justice would come. And the judgment is, it's terrifying. Look at the description of the Lord as judge. He is mighty, he is powerful. There will be total destruction. Look at verse one, God says, no one will get away, none will escape. Evil will not have the last word. So in a broken world where we long for wholeness, where we see brokenness everywhere, our hope is in a God of justice who brings judgment upon evil. Both the evil out there, but also the evil in here. But do we really trust this God of justice? Do we really believe there is hope in the face of God's judgment? Well, we see that many of the Israelites did not think this. They did not trust this God in the face of coming judgment, but instead turned inward to themselves which leads on to our second point. 
What hope has the world? Well, there is no hope in self-justification. Look at how God's people in Amos respond to the threat of this coming judgment. They try and deal with it on their own, apart from God. They try to save themselves. They try to hide in their shame. Look in verse 2. They dig down to the depths below. And in verse 3, they try to hide themselves at the bottom of the sea. Or there are some of them who try to rise above the judgment and justify themselves. They try to climb to the heavens above. But God says these will not work. There is no hope in self-justification. And yet ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, humans have been trying to do these things to save themselves and to justify themselves. And like Adam and Eve hid from God in the Garden after their disobedience, we too try to hide from our holy God and to cover up our shame and our sin. We try to save ourselves by making a name for ourselves through being good at our jobs or by being the best mom or dad or sister that we can be. We place our hope of being good enough in our own efforts. We try to justify ourselves perhaps by doing good deeds, by going to church, or by trying to feel repentant enough, feeling sorry enough when we actually realize we have messed up. For me, something I've noticed is that I often try to self-justify by blame shifting. Well, God, the reason that I was impatient with that person or that I thought unkindly towards them It's because of how they treated me. Like, did you see that? They are the issue, not me. Um, But remember that what scripture does is that it reveals reality to us. And it reveals to us the state of our hearts and this world. And Israel's excuses will not save them from God's judgment in the face of sin. So where is the hope? Well, it is actually really exciting. So let's look back at the text, because this is where the exciting and amazing part really comes. Um, And let's look at what it teaches us about this God of justice. So in verse 8, in the very same sentence that God says he will destroy the sinful kingdom, he also says, I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob. What? Is God confused? Hasn't he just said that he would destroy? Well, what we see is that he will destroy all but a remnant. God will not entirely destroy humankind from the face of the earth. Mercy will come as surely as judgment will. So we see that humanity's only hope is in a God of justice whose judgment is met with abundant mercy and abundant grace. Why does this ever surprise us? This is how God has been loving and dealing with humankind ever since Adam and Eve in the garden. For when Adam and Eve sinned, justice demanded death. But the Lord's mercy granted them life. They didn't just fall down dead as soon as they ate of the apple. They had a lifetime to love one another, to have children, to work the garden, to have relationship, restored, redeemed relationship with God. Their offspring then remained after they died. So judgment was met with mercy and with grace. Then a little further on in Genesis chapter 6, we come to a time where humanity was so rotten that God regretted having created humankind. His justice brought a worldwide flood, but his mercy saved a family in an ark. Once again, judgment was met with mercy and with grace. Then here in the book of Amos, in ancient Israel, 
The Lord has said he would totally destroy the sinners of the people in the sinful kingdom. And we know that this did come true. God's people were scattered and did go into exile. But to those who trusted in him, he promised to save some of the descendants of Jacob. And not only to save them, but he promised to restore and to rebuild them. So we see time and again, right from the Old Testament and all the way into the New as we'll see, that the God that we worship is the God of justice, whose judgment is always met with abundant mercy and with abundant grace. Now let's look back at this promise God has made to restore the remnant of Israel. Let's look at his goodness. Do you notice how in the, promises, in the verses promising restoration, the emphasis falls fully on God? Look at chapter 9, verse 11. He says, I will rebuild, I will restore, I will repair. He doesn't say, I'll save you and then I'll give you a chance to try and make it up to me again, to try and do better next time. He says, I'm going to save you and then I'm going to restore you, I'm going to rebuild, I will fulfill the promise that I've made. And he's going to include other nations as part of the people that he is restoring and rebuilding. So God does everything. He saves and he restores. So how does he do this? Well, in Acts chapter 15, James, one of the disciples, takes this verse, these passages from Amos, and he demonstrates how it is being fulfilled. And he points to the death and to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the descendant of King David who will rule forever. For on that cross, God himself bore the judgment for your sins and for mine. Every time we mess up, when we trample others, when we seek comfort above showing love, Jesus took a beating. He took that lash for us. Jesus faced the judgment of a just God for you and for me and granted us abundant mercy and grace through the forgiveness of our sins, through restored relationship with him and the gift of his Holy Spirit. So there really is hope for humanity, for you, for me, for the world. But this hope rests fully in Jesus Christ. For the Bible tells us that there is a final day of judgment still to come when Jesus will return. And those who are still running away from him, still trying to self-justify, will be judged by the same God who judged the sinful kingdom in the book of Amos. But to those found trusting in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, they will be saved and brought into a beautiful kingdom, which we see depicted here in the last couple of verses in Amos. Let's look at the description of this coming kingdom that we are promised in him. It is one where a broken world will be made whole, where a world of injustice will become one, where justice will roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. It is one where all our hopes will be finally fulfilled in him. For the Israelites, for us, this hope for security will be fulfilled. Look in verse 15, God says, never again will people be uprooted. In Christ, we are promised everlasting security. The Israelites wanted comfort and prosperity, so often we do. Look at verse 13, God says, one day the people will plant their vineyards and drink of their wine, make gardens and eat their fruit. So in Christ, we will have abundant goodness and satisfaction. 
we have such a great hope, a living hope in him, in Christ, like we sang about in our last song. So how does having this great hope shape our hearts and change our lives today? For remember we saw way back at the start that what we place our hope in does matter. Well, if we are hoping in a God of mercy and of justice, then it makes sense that our lives will also increasingly reflect his heart as he changes us as he has promised to. We are told in the book of Corinthians that if we are in Christ Jesus, then we are a new creation. So if you're here today and you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, then God is at work in your heart to restore in you the image of his perfect son by the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit comes and opens our eyes to who Jesus is, he will change our desires so that we care about the things that he cares about so that we will speak like him and act like him and live lives full of justice and full of mercy. Since we have this promise of a greater kingdom coming to us one day, we no longer will feel the need to trample upon others to get our own way now. We no longer will feel the need to grasp at things around us because our hope is not in this world. We will be free to live lives of love and of justice and of mercy now. So what hope has the world? Well, we have two choices. We can either choose our own way, the way of saving ourselves of self-justification, where we saw there is no hope, or we can choose Christ, the path where mercy and grace are found in abundance, and we have a living hope that will not perish, that will not spoil, that will not fade. And might this, might he, spur us on to live lives of justice and mercy, in the here and in the now. So let me just close in prayer. Oh Lord, uh, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are good and that you've always been a God who desires justice, but who also pours out and meets out with abundant mercy and grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you have done and are doing everything for us, that you have saved us, that you've taken the judgment that our sins deserved, and you're redeeming us and restoring us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much that you have promised to rebuild your kingdom and that you are at work restoring us, but also to bring this future kingdom we acknowledge that there are many, many times when our hearts are cold towards you, when we place our hope in things other than you, and when we trample upon others to get there or to get our own way, when we just don't desire to do justice, when comfort uh, means more to us than moving out of our comfort zones and serving others or loving others. Lord, help us to receive uh, your forgiveness, your grace afresh now for those times, Lord Jesus. And help us, Lord, change us, come by your Holy Spirit, restore in us the image of your beautiful Son, Jesus. Work in our hearts afresh so that we desire uh, to live lives of justice and of mercy and of grace. Work in our hearts, Lord Jesus, as we think about the opportunities of the serving week this week, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to want to 
sacrifice comfort or ease or even security or wealth, Lord, so that we might desire and can live lives full of mercy and of justice. Enable us and empower us, Lord Jesus. We can't do this on our own. Would you work in us? Would you change us? Would you empower us? Would you see your kingdom come in our hearts and in the city of Dublin for your glory? Amen.